0: I'm Aaron. I'm Scott. You're listening to the Racer to Racer podcast, presented by Race On E2. This is one of our special edition week of Indy podcast. This episode is going to feature Tiago Medeiros.
1: Yeah, Tiago. Uh, maybe some people don't remember Tiago had a great career as far as before he got in IndyCars. cars. Uh, his his path through IndyCar was not easy, um, but you know he was. A good racer, and uh, he has a really good story, and uh, this is a fun interview.
0: Yeah, and um, you know, like Scott said, um, he had a very successful career. Um, definitely before IndyCar, he um, ran an Indy Pro Series, and you want to talk about a dominant season. I mean, he completely just dominated, and I believe that was a two, 2004 series, right, Scott? Something like that, yeah.
1: It was the yep. early 2000s. And,
0: and won the Indy Pro Series um, championship and also won the Freedom 100. Um, and, you know, Tiago's just a great guy, like everyone we've interviewed so far. But, you know, he's just a really great guy. Um, he, he's actually a helicopter pilot now. He talks a lot about that, um, which is really cool. And, you know, he just talks a lot about, you know, what it meant to, you know, make Indy. You know, he was in a smaller team and, it, you know, it was a big struggle for the team. Um, they they had a, a crash right before the 500. So a lot of, um, you know, blood, sweat and tears went into getting that car together. Um, they got a car and a lot of different parts that were donated from other teams. They had to piece everything together. They actually called the car, I think, the Frankenstein car. Um, so it was really cool to hear about all of that, um, and then you know, hear about you know, other different people. He he mentioned someone that um, was a big part of their career that surprised. Um, I know, definitely surprised Scott and surprised me as well, um, just on the fact that. Um, we just didn't really expect it um the person that he does mention w- was a great guy so you know looking back it definitely doesn't surprise me at all that that individual was um you know that instrumental for him um but i i definitely think everyone will you know enjoy hearing about that
1: yeah i do too and i was really surprised when he mentioned this person's name and uh but not surprising uh after you kind of hear how the relationship come together mm-hmm. and this person was a good racer himself Um, so it's, it, uh, I thought that was great. Um, I've been kind of surprised at some of the answers to some of the questions, you know, to especially our last question, uh, because it's not always who you think they're going to say. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, Yeah. no, you're 100% right. Um, and, and, and that's kind of the beauty with the question. I think that's what kind of makes it, you know that fun of a question because you have no idea like just when you think um, someone's going to say something they say something completely you know completely different than what you expect
1: yeah i agree and, and it's uh it's been better than i thought it would be to be honest
0: yep well i think without any further ado we'll um jump right into the um tiago medeiros interview hope you enjoy our guest today won the 2004 Freedom 100 of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, along with the 2004 Infinity Pro Series Championship. He also competed in the 2006 Indy 500. We are joined by Tiago Medeiros. Tiago, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me here. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys and talk to our fans. Uh, like, the month of May is a really fun one, and very interesting one for all of us that uh, love the sport. You know, like uh, a lot of surprise coming up uh, this month. I think a lot of new guys in the series, a lot of uh, veterans that has been there before many, many years. So it's going to be a fun one to watch.
0: Yeah, and that, that's a big reason why we're trying to. So with our podcast, we're going to interview not just IndyCar drivers, a bunch of different drivers. But obviously during May, um, we kind of want to focus more on, on Indy 500 drivers. So that's definitely one of the reasons why um, you know we reached out to you. Um, so, talk a little bit about, so how, how did you first get interested in racing? Um, like how old were you and what kind of racing was it?
2: I was always fascinated by car, you know. Uh, since I was like four years old, my mom used to take me to the school and then I used to tell the name of all the cars that I've seen on the street. <laughs> so, you know, we were calling all the names. And, uh, and I always had a big passion for cars and since I was a kid. When I was eight to nine years old, my father gave me my first go-kart. And then I started uh, practicing and then racing uh, later on. After that, uh, I, had, I, had, I was very really lucky to be from a healthy family in the beginning. And then uh, they gave me the support. Then I went to open wheels. Then Formula 3. Uh, after Formula 3, I went to test in Europe. But I mean, some of the guys that I raced with, some big names like Bernoulli, uh, Riccardo Mauricio, Haberfeld, uh, Burti Massa. Uh, some of them didn't, uh, did a very good season in Formula 3000, they are a bit older than I, and didn't have a chance to win, to to get into Formula 1. And on the other hand, uh, Castro Neves, uh, Giafoni, uh, Meira, uh, did uh, succeed in the Indy Lights and went, They had a solid ride in the US. So that was my uh, uh, intuition to, to not... Uh, I mean, just to, I think was a more solid opportunities in the US back then than uh, in, in uh, Formula One. And went really well. You know, I just, uh, I had uh, some really good results. Uh, was really fun to do everything that I've done there. Uh, qualified for the 500, won the Indy Lights Championship, won the Indianapolis Freedom 100 in the Indy Lights, which back then was the Menardi Infinity Pro Series. And uh, was just not so lucky because at the same time, uh, when I had the deal to be a test driver with Patrick Racing, uh, Thomas Zeng ended up coming from a really big sponsor from Chevrolet. And also the other time, uh, was a, that was a problem. And I got to the series. The year that I won was the same year that Danica was joining how Letterman. And, and she's a great driver. But I mean, Danica sells a lot more than I did. So I think was uh, just the momentum was the, not the right timing.
0: Right. I think she got a lot of that exposure that year for sure. <laughs> people, I think people forget forgot who who won the who won the 500 that year.
2: Yeah, it was kind of this kind of stuff. I mean, but uh, she's a great driver. She did what she deserved. She's American, also, you know, so she did it really well. Um, and I kept her as a friend, you know. So yeah, she's it happens. But I mean, looking back, you know, those are the things that happen and right. the, my effect, uh, the result, the good results that I had. It was 2019. I went to live, my in first year in the Indy Lights, I was 19, uh, it was 2003, I was born in 82, so I was 19. throughout out to the bars in Broad Ripple, <laughs> I remember that, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> back in Indy, so it was fun to... Uh, when I joined the civil and uh, not allowed to go to the bars in the beginning, and then um, later on, you know, I start racing and get familiar in So okay, okay, so... After that, I completed 21, and then uh, I was allowed to go to the bar, so <laughs> just to have friends and catch up. So, And a lot of the crews, the mechanics, used to go, and I used to catch up together, and uh, was nice entertaining out of uh, motor racing. And also, a lot of the guys that used to live back in India, like uh, Dixon, Manning, Schecter, we used to go out together, so it was fun mm-hmm. to... The youngest one is not allowed to do things sometimes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. So you were. Um, so so how old were you when you came over to
2: um, to um, the U.S. I have more. I mean, I was twenty. My first year was nineteen. I think two thousand three. I was born eighty two. Yep. Two thousand three. So yeah. And uh, was a big shock in the beginning. I mean, uh, I never lived abroad, so I barely speak English when I went to live there. Uh, I left uh, summer in Brazil, high forties uh, Celsius, like nineties to 100 for you guys Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. and then when I got there, the average temperature was minus 20 Fahrenheit or something like that, like uh, <laughs> minus 30 sometimes. <laughs> well, a little bit of a little bit to get used
0: to for sure. <laughs>
2: So it was a big shock in the beginning, you know, like, um, it was fun. I think I learned a lot, but it was not easy for me to to learn how to live by myself, you know, like, I mean, if you have to take the trash out, you know, it's uh, low to your knees and uh, all these kind of things, you know, you're freezing and. So, yeah, it was fun. I think it was a big learning curve uh, back then. We didn't also have Internet and cell phone like we have it now. So I have to run like three miles, two miles to get to a target to call my parents and I'll say, I'm doing OK, I'm doing fine. Uh, <laughs> did, you, uh, did, you, did you have any
1: kind of almost like I'd say a mentor, um, like anybody that you can kind of yeah. go to when you first moved here?
2: Uh, yeah, I had a, a guy that used to live with me in the beginning, but he was there for like one or two months only to help me out a little bit, you know, like uh, after uh, living together was not like, uh it well, was not easy, you know, like we had different, cost, uh, different uh, cultures sometimes and different stuff and you know? also uh, he he was there for two months and then he ended up leaving and then he started leaving myself. And that was the, 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 the reason that I think that I must learn because you have to step up in the game, you know, and, and learn the language because otherwise you get comfortable, you lay back and, and he does everything for you. And, uh, and I think that was the hardest year of probably 2003, but I think was the year that I more, I got more a lot more mature and, and I grew up a lot as a person, not only professional, but as a person, uh, I think uh, was a big was uh, a very good year for me. So
0: 2003 was your rookie or in any pro series um you so you had i'm looking at it right now so you had elise so you had one win um so you were with a team called G- genoa racing right. so how how <clears throat> did I, i've never heard of that team before um so how, how did so how did that kind of c- come across so you, you uh, i'm guessing you got that when you were over um overseas racing and you got that opportunity and you came over
2: yeah, I was like, I mean, I was um, racing Formula 3, then uh, was the championship, I think, finished in November. Then uh, December, I think I went to US, signed up, de- doing de- uh, did a test with, uh, I forgot the name of the team. I was, it's uh, Scott that does the two-seater and uh, another guy, I forgot, he used to have a team together. I forgot the name of the team. Oh, the two-seater, Zinden? Yeah. Yeah, Scott, one of the mechanic guys. Yeah, he was uh, Jeff... I forgot his name. Jeff, Jeff Sinden. Sinden. Je- yes. Yeah, Jeff Sinden. Jeff Sinden and uh, Scott had a team together. So, we, I, I ran a test with them in Phoenix, I think it was December or January, and Lewand Dyke also tested with him. Then, uh, after the test, you know, the test went well, and uh, was just to, I went to see how was the car and everything. So. Was pretty similar to Formula Three. It was a bit a, a bit different because a lot more downforce, a little a, a little bit faster. Like instead of a four cylinder, it was an eight cylinder. Uh, Sequential gearbox was similar. Uh, a lot more downforce, and I always liked the the high speed corner. So I think uh, Phoenix was a really fun track because I don't I don't think they have changed much, but I mean still old track and very fun that you can overdrive the car a little bit. And uh, was really fun the, the test, and we and was good. So, because I think they just had a car to do a test, and then they were not going to run the next year. But they introduced me to Thomas Knapp, which came, which was the engineer that came for that test, uh, was a hired engineer. And Thomas was uh, doing something with uh, Angelo ferro was a guy that uh, from California. He, he owns a team. Uh, Thomas Knapp used to run the team in Indianapolis, uh, and Angelo his uh, stuff was uh, produced all of. Olive- oil and some farms and uh, horse race so uh, it was fun I mean they opened the door for me I'm very thankful for, for what they done uh, Thomas Neck was also a very smart guy very fast uh, to to find the right setup and we had a good chemistry in the beginning you know like I mean exchange information and thinking together and uh, going to the same direction uh, was really nice uh, these kind of things then uh, we went for a Pre-season test in Homestead, uh, like I think, uh, one week before the the opening season. The year after was 2003, and uh, Homestead was the old one, you know, was the flat uh, Homestead. So we started for pole in my first ever race in Ovals. So it was pretty fun, you know. Uh, we were quick in the in the in the practice, but I mean it was third, fourth, you know, we were quite similar. But, I mean, uh, when you put the new tyres and I did a good lap in the qualifying and uh, put me on pole my first ever uh, overall race. And, uh, like I said, Homestead was a f- it is a fun track as it is right now, but it's progressive, like uh, 18, 19 and 20, I think. The, the bank angle changed uh, accordingly now. And back then was the flat uh, Homestead, so I think was a lot more similar than what I was used to. And uh, the wind direction was very tricky sometimes change very fast and also Homestead is open area, wins a lot. So I think I could get more advantage from that, from road road circuits and stuff, which I was more familiar. And uh, then uh, the team was great, but we were not the biggest team. I think uh, at the same time, uh, Mark Taylor with Panther was very strong. They were the best team for sure. Uh, Ed Carter also was very strong with, uh, I think was with Foyt back then. Or yeah. he has his own team. The worst computers uh Aaron Fike, I think, that came from Dirt and uh, yeah, Silver cars, Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Paul Dana was back then also with uh, Ho- 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 homegun Homeigan. Uh, yes. Paul Dana was with them. Um, Dyke, uh there were, uh, there were a few guys. Tom, Tom Wood also had a big accident in Kentucky. He was pretty fast also in the beginning. Uh, uh, he's, he's been in the lights for many years, so he was a very experienced guy. And uh, it was a nice learning curve for me because knowing those guys and getting to, to know them, you know, I realized who were the guys that I could run side by side with, you know, and work together doing the race. And some others you can just, you know, you cannot do anything by your own because as soon as you leave the draft, especially in the, in the light, you get stuck in the outside line, so you go to the end of the line sometimes. So you have to find some other cars to work with. And it was a big learning curve for me in the beginning uh, for everything, you know, all the, i never been right. to any in- tracks, so it was a, a learning season for me. We didn't have the best cars, especially in the super speedways in the Michigan, Indianapolis, um, Fontana, uh, we were fast, but I mean, it was just more to work um, on, the, on, the, on the pack and, and get your way through it. Uh, uh, we were developing the car as long along the season, because we didn't have many tests also during the season. So it was a big learning curve. Like I said, Thomas Knapp came right. from uh, IndyCars and, and had a lot of experience. So it was the first year also that he was putting things together. So it was a learning curve for myself and for them to learn about the car. And uh, my second year, uh, I ended up going for Schmidt. I think I also had a big uh, advantage. They were a very strong team. Uh, I knew that because they always had the car in the front. They, we had a test at the end of the season, 2003. Things went well. Then uh, he, he did a proposal, you know, I, I didn't have all the money to run with them. So uh, he got some sponsors on his side. Uh, I got some sponsors from Brazilian, Brazilian side. And uh, we got a deal together, so um, I pretty much opened the, the, the hands on the whole prize money. was kind of his to go into the, to, to the season for his side. And there was a gamble, but I mean, it worked very well for him. And uh, we won six of 12 races, eight pole positions. And, uh, you know, we knew the car, and knew the, the tracks. Uh, was much, much easier. And also I got a really good relationship working with uh, his team and the... Uh, which was my engineer. Uh, we also had the same um, good uh, uh, communication, and um, was a. I mean, was he came from PacWest, uh Champ Cars, and also did a lot of Indy Cars. I think he's still running the Schmidt with uh, McLaren now uh, for Indy 500. So uh, he's a really smart guy. Uh, I had a good connection with him, like I said. Uh, it was nice to learn a lot from him and. Uh, do things together, so yeah, that's why I think we, we did, I mean, the, the word team does not have eyes, so that's why we've done everything together. <clears throat> so he gave me a good card, and, and uh, yeah, that was it.
1: So, you, so you, you get to this point, and you've had two really great seasons, and then you are how do you start looking for an IndyCar deal? I mean, do teams look to you, or did you go looking for them? Or
2: I was—I had a guy work with me. It was back then Fernando Avaloni. Uh, we worked together. He was the one that got me this deal with uh, Sam. And uh, he's based in Miami. And uh, he worked with uh, Damara and uh, Canaan before. Uh, he knew pretty much everybody. So he also got me my first IndyCar uh, test uh, with Patrick. Uh, was alongside with uh, Thomas Eng um, in Chicago, um, went really well, I did well but I mean I was in the quick, quickest uh, than Thomas but you know it's it is what it is you know I had a huge sponsor support from Chevrolet and the engine so pretty much Chevrolet was giving them engine for free because they, they were getting a lot of money from support from Chevrolet so nothing that I could have do I could have do it was back then was him and last year also last year is american so pat wants to have an american car, uh, driver in the team and then uh, i did a few tests i tested a few tracks chicago kentucky uh, nashville and fontana i think then end up racing for drying rainbow in fontana but it was like i mean i was not racing for like almost a year i was stopped so i was running the two seaters to keep myself mm. in the, in the in the paddock, and uh, doing some of the stuff along with the series. Uh, I had a lot of support from the series, but I mean, I had nowhere to go, no seat to go. Uh, they were trying to help me as much as they could. But, um, you know, to jump from not doing anything to IndyCar right away, and those were the chances that I had for the Fontana deal and the uh, Indy 500 was not the best thing you know also PDM when I did that was a limited team uh, we were running planOS back then We pretty much all the series was running uh, Dalara. so they had a lot more data and information we didn't have all the informations from different teams and the chassis was different um, but I think you know it was just the way it was you know I had an accident during the, the practice session uh, we destroyed the car uh, then I had to put everything together the car you see the pictures, you know, it looks like a Frankenstein. Yeah. And I think it was uh, a lot of, we had a lot of support from other teams uh, giving us parts and stuff and spares um, to get my confidence back, uh, back then to to run the qualifying and uh, put things together, you know, with the car, we, we didn't run much. I mean, we've got the car ready for the bump day pretty much. And then uh, we did a few laps and... Uh, and I had to get the confidence back and, and trying to get as much speed as possible in the car. And that's what we did. And luckily, it was good enough to qualify for the 500.
0: So did you ever watch, like, the 500 as a kid? Or was it ever, like, really on your radar to to race there? Or uh, was it, I'm sure it was overwhelming, like, your first time actually, you know, being is- there.
2: We are, I mean, since a kid, you know, I was, I was fascinated by motor racing, you know, that Indy uh, 500 and the Monaco GP are the biggest racing on earth. You know, Indy 500 is the biggest one because the amount of people that goes there. Right. Uh, I grew up uh, watching Boazio, uh, uh, Judy Ferran, um, a lot more, Castro Neves, Canaan uh, back then, you know, Jafoni, Greco, but uh, Gujo, I mean, you know, a lot of guys uh, racing, junquera Damata, uh, back then also, racing the Indy 500, and also you, you, we know what it is, you know. It's the biggest, I mean, we heard about it, we see on TV, but, I mean, you we don't, as a kid, you don't realize until you get there, you know, and how big it is, you know, to see in a, 500, a half million people in a, in a racetrack and how patient they are, you know. I mean, every time that I walked after I qualified, I was in Indy, walking to on the street, you know, people recognize me. Hey Chago, you know, do you mind having an autograph? So mm-hmm. oh, how, how passionate everybody is in Indianapolis and that's unbelievable. And that's really uh, sometimes you're just walking people brings brings you pictures from ten years ago. So that's really f- uh, interesting to, to see the 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 culture and the customs from Americans, especially you know, they breathe, the the breathe motor racing in general. And, um, yeah, I mean, we know, like I said, I grew up watching these kind of things, but, I mean, when you're there, the first thing you see the, the, the race and when you at the race, you know, it's unbelievable, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the track look, looks a lot wider on TV than it is actually <laughs> <laughs> at, at, at the track. And uh, just the smell also of uh, the fuel in, on the start and these kind of things, you know, the, 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 the yard of brakes when you go across every lap, you know, is the little bump you, you feel. Uh, turn one is the difficult, is the most difficult one because it's a blind corner. And you cannot see, and you get there over 230, 280, uh, almost 400 kilometers per hour. Uh, it's like 220 to 30s, I think. Yep. 40 sometimes and uh, it's totally blind you know you don't see anything until you just watch like uh, there is a logo of the speedway on the wall and that's kind of your only reference until you get there and like the yard of bricks and the and the logo on the wall and then as soon as you turn you start to see the corner but you don't know what you're going through you know if there is a accent obviously you have a yellow flag but i mean you cannot see what's going to happen and then it's just like a it's a blind thing, but it's very challenging, you know, uh, also there is a gap between the uh, the stands so sometimes you have to be very aware about the wind direction because it's changed and you have, uh, that's why more, you have more accidents sometimes doing uh, turn one and two because you have the, the, the gust winds coming through the stands and people don't don't understand that, don't see it from where it comes from, you know, but uh, three and four is a lot easier because you can see and also the stands go all the way around so it's a close, there is no gap. But uh, to be at the track and when you're doing your rookie test, first of all, it's, you know, it's a remarkable day that you can never forget, you know, like, I mean, you're going to 170, 180, 190 and over 195, I think is the mandatory. Then uh, you're getting up to speed, you're getting comfortable and those are days that you can never forget.
0: What do you think the big difference was between driving the Indy Lights cars to driving um, an Indy car?
2: Uh, the power, definitely, you know, the, the aero package is different. Uh, there's a lot more um, aero in the Indy cars. I think it, it changed a lot this year. I think uh, it's used to be n- not easier, but, I mean, we could run closer. And this year, the aero package does not allow drivers to be very close. So we don't, even though, like, we watched uh, Texas recently, they were not, like, side by side, like, used to be, other years, you know, like there were two, two whites, three whites sometimes, and they were just pretty much one line. Maybe I don't know if it was because they changed the, the tarmac of the track, maybe, or the, the aeropack has changed and they they're not able to run so close. But uh, it's it's different. Like I mean, because how do I say that? It's you, you want to have a, a car that's predictable and, and, and that speed is not easy to have a predictable car and know that you can feel the change and make the right correction sometimes especially if you lose the rear you're trying to correct and you put the front and happen what happened with uh, Pique you know, he goes mm-hmm. straight 90 degrees and that's the worst way to, to crash and um, and uh, it's it wants to have a, a car that's predictable that you can have a little bit uh, understeer, not uh, otherwise you're scrubbing speed or losing, but, but a car that's new to the, that it can allow you to run uh, different lines and maybe different ways in the package, so you, you're not totally behind the car, but it's a little bit out or, or or down. You have a nose clean, and you can run closer and make the move in the guys ahead or in the middle of the pack.
1: When uh, you were talking about your go karts, at what point did you think you know, I, I've got the talent to do this. Was it immediately or was it, you know, did it take you a year or two or, you know, how quickly was that for you?
2: I think I was very lucky, you know, I was also talking to a friend recently back here in Brazil and uh, it happened like we grew up in a in a very strong uh, go-kart scenario. We were used to have like 36 go-karts together, you know, in, a, in the, the national championship and also I grew up racing against, Bisogna, uh, Sperafico brothers, um, Castro Neves, Cana, Burci, Bernoulli, uh, Massa, um, Sony. A lot of guys: Fabio Carboni, João Paulo de Oliveira, also racing now in Japan. So, luckily, we. I think was the that was definitely the best uh, moment of go-karts here in Brazil ever. You know, uh, Marco, Marcos Campos, Julio Campos. Uh, we raced together. The uh, we grew up racing the toughest one, you know, the, the difficult guys uh, that were lucky to get to follow one or in the cars or different series abroad. So we grew up, for, for us was naturally to push each other, you know, as a go-kart, as a kid, but we I mean, never expected that we were pushing each other so hard, you know, like PK Jr. And, I know, and when you're going through different series, you're growing up with the same kind of grid and you move up together with those guys, you know, like you, probably you're doing, you're doing your best and, and you're dealing with the best and uh, pretty much the same equipment uh, in different series and uh, same engine same tires back you know? and also you're racing fighting for tens of a second thousand of a second sometimes and everybody's on the same second on the whole grid is like, it's based on the same second like cool karts and uh, that's why right, you know just lucky to be grew up with the to grow up uh, racing those guys. And I think we push each other and we learn a lot from each other.
1: You, uh, and I realize we're, I'm jumping back and forth there. So you ran for PDM. And then you ended up running their Silver Crown car, which was the new generation Silver Crown car. Uh, yeah.
2: How did that come about? Uh, yeah, it was an interesting challenge, you know. Uh, it was an interesting... Uh, challenge for me, because, as a I mean, back then, I won the, it was before the 500, so, it was 2005, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. It was, USAC came back with the series, they were, the car was symmetrical, instead of the different size from the, the dirt, and they were mm-hmm. starting to run uh, the one one and a half mile uh, circuits. Right. And it was pretty interesting, the package, you know, like, I mean, the engine was very powerful, um. The series was interesting, you know. I didn't do the whole season. I did a few, I did six race, I think. Six or seven, I think it was six. And uh, the concept was different. Like, I mean, I won the Angel Life Championship. I was not doing anything, you know. So if I go back and you know, I can I can destroy everything that I've done in the year before because i was not going to run for the same thing. Right. right. So i already had a, a driver's driver lineup for the year after. And uh, end up doing one race for ASF, I think in Milwaukee, and went well, but not so well. And uh, and as a champion, oh you know, if, if I go back and I win, I, I, I have to win, you know, as a champion. That's right. what I'm expecting from me and the team. And if I lose, you know, I just got beat it from someone else, and I destroyed everything that I've done in the year before. So. I said, why going back? So when when that happened was a new challenge for me as a person to to learn something different, uh, learn something that I've never done before. I always drove in uh, open wheels, and that was kind of uh, uh, a car and like more like a, the, the the doors for maybe bush Truck Series or NASCAR or something like that, and get familiar with those guys and see see what's happening the next door. or... The, or just trying something different, you know, and, and also was sure. a nice time for me to learn something from a different series. And I uh, was interesting. Was I had a lot of fun driving those cars. Uh, I was teammate with uh, Aaron Pike. He, uh, Aaron
1: uh, was it
2: uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron uh... Pierce? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Aaron
1: Pierce. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, so it was very nice to be his teammate because I learned a lot from him. Had a lot of experience uh, working along with uh, Jimmy, he was a mechanic that uh, worked with me, and Patrick, and he was also involved in the in the deal with PDM because his brother ran uh, Midgets for a long time. So he was a really good guy to work with, and uh, it was fun, you know, like. I mean, it was just different. For me, it was a learning curve. I didn't do the whole season, but uh, as a challenge to learn as a pilot and a, and a person was was a really nice challenge for me. So it was fun. I mean, the, the races were very close. Uh, the car had pretty much none downforce and they were pretty fast, like 800 horsepower, we're getting to to 230 sometimes. Uh, and uh, the time was pretty interesting. I mean, we're, Pretty close from bush series and truck. I think sometimes they were faster than truck series. Yeah, I would
1: and, say uh, that they were most likely faster. If
2: I was guessing. Yeah, they were faster than truck in no in downforce, and they were but, but they were bullets on the straight. You know, like 800 horsepower, the Hoosier uh, tires, which were really good, uh, also in the ovals. And in the in ch- the car changed a lot, you know, because we started like 100 and something gallons, I think, on the, on the tank, and mm-hmm. it goes. Changed a lot in the, doing the race, so it was nice to to get used to. I mean, just the position was totally different. Instead of driving laid down, we almost totally sitting right, straight right. up. Yeah, the, the seat goes in the got, middle.
1: Yeah, that seats like yeah. a t- ten or twelve degree layback, depending on which one you got. And yeah, you know, so you're basically yeah. straight up and down. Yeah.
2: So was a fun challenge for me? Driving, I had a lot of fun driving those cars and new sex and made some friends. But um, yeah, it was just. Uh, new challenge, like I said, you know, was an option to not doing anything, you know, and that pop up and was a nice uh, uh, package from uh, Paul Datlovich and his team. Yeah.
1: When you uh, so when you made the 500, uh, unfortunately, it ended fairly early. Correct. I mean, you didn't get to run a ton of laps. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Um, yeah. It was the maybe the second day or some, something like that, yeah. so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was... Uh, I was just like, a th- I mean, the deal happened when I was not also expecting, you know, and it was the, the guy from the Brazilian TV put a, a deal together with some other sponsor and gave me the opportunity to... Right. to be in the 500. And, uh, I mean, I just jumped in the opportunity, but... You know, was, it's kind of this kind of thing that happens, the latest the last deals that happen, you know, I mean, not blaming, I think that uh, now you get mature, you get experience, but I mean, wasn't the best opportunity, but it was an opportunity to be there. I think uh, we did the best where we could. Uh, I'm very thankful for Dyatlovich and his, his crew, put all together the hard work they did. But, uh, I mean, to do it in a proper way, I would prefer to do it like I did with Patrick, you know, did a few laps and had a few tests before, a few laps in the car, and then you go for the 500, but not being throw at the 500 in the last minute and then qualify and bump day, which was, was okay. I mean, we got it there, but could have been done better.
0: Right, so we're talking about the 2006 Indy 500. So I was watching the um, 2006 bump day, um, on YouTube a couple days ago and I mean just you know seeing your team um, so as we were saying I think you you had a crash on Thursday before qualifying right and um, so like you said that you know you guys kind of pieced together the car they said they were working like 48 hours straight to get it to get it ready and I think the your first time in that car was during qualifying right or did you do practice before that
2: the I think we did two or three runs before qualifying, I think we did uh, just to check everything was okay, like I said, to get my confidence back um, check the car was fast enough to qualify, you know, so we had to trim, I mean, we did a few laps and had to trim out and like, oh, the car is not fast enough, you know, so let's see what we can do Then we, we, we took down force off and some other stuff that we could do in the car and like change it mechanically to have a better handle because it's not only one lap, lap, it's it's the average of the the four laps. So it doesn't matter if the car is good with new tires, you know, after the second lap the tires goes away and you don't have the same grip level uh, on all the corners. So the car has to be consistent for the the run for the four laps. So we did uh, probably two or three runs before qualifying and uh, that was the best that we could do.
0: Right. you could definitely, you know, feel the tension and the stress with, I mean, with you and also the team. And I remember they show the, um, so right before you went out for the run, Brian Barnhart had like a a um, talk with you, like a speech. And it, it was a very um, inspirational speech. I don't know if you remember it, but it was pretty.
2: Yeah, yeah. There were, they were magic, uh, magic words, you know, uh, that yeah. Brian was, t- was telling me. You know, like, I mean, this happened, you know, like let it go, wash away, look ahead, you know, like, and you focus on what you're going to do, and, and we want you to, to qualify and do your best here, you know. So I said, thanks, you know. There were very strong uh, words, supports, and it uh, was really nice to, to have that.
0: Yeah, and you, I mean, like I said, you could definitely tend to, see, you know, the most in it. I mean, for you guys just making the race, I mean, that was like a win for you guys, right? Yeah,
2: I mean, like I said, you know, we were very... We, 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 we were a very small team, you know, and uh, all the, the things that we ha- we had to go through, you know, that was a, a win, you know, um, and it uh, was a shame that the race didn't go that long because we were moving quickly uh, up to the field. Uh, I started 33 and I think I was 24th when I had to stop for uh, the first pit stop. And then after that, unfortunately, we had a electrical problem that overheated and took us out of the race. But you know, I was uh, just—I mean, for me, the goal on that race was start and finish the race. You know, I think we could finish in a in a in a good position, but unfortunately, that was what happened. You know, disappointed to give to give up that early in the race. Like I said, we moving up. The car was good and uh, allowed me to run uh, different lines and up to the field. Uh, was also getting more mileage and more experience in the car, and, and get more familiar with the, 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 the track and stuff that we didn't do properly during the the month of May because we didn't have much opportunity. But it is what it is. Like I said, I had no regrets. We did our best, and unfortunately, it was the situation.
1: What do you? Uh, what's kind of the mindset? You know, because you've got the front row, everything's clear. You know, you're clean and green, race checks clear. And then you got the back row, and you've got everybody in front of you. You got all the fumes, you got the turbulence. Um, I mean, you, and it's basically chaos. You know, I, I would have to believe the first couple of laps. What uh, I mean, what kind of mindset do you have? I mean, do you, you do you look at it like I'm just going to take what comes to me, or I'm going to be aggressive, or you're you just—is there a certain mindset you get into, or do you just look at it and go, okay, I'm just going to whatever opportunity i get here i'm going to get in and try to pick my pick my way through here
2: i think uh, you're you're racing so you know everybody there is doing their best you know uh, right and the uh, beginning the car like i said the car was uh, very good behaved. Uh, behave it was very well set up you know which allowed me to run different lines higher or lower uh right at the beginning i, I was working with uh so i worked with him in the beginning, and then uh, he was. On, he, ha- he also had a good car uh, doing the race. So we're kind of working together, you know. Like I mean, depends. You know, have the right time. Sometimes you have to live. If you're too close, and and you, and the guys are lifting a little bit doing the corners, and you don't have the momentum of the, the draft, so you have to get the best opportunity. Sometimes you're not on the right, uh, um, not, not the right ramps, but I mean, not the right momentum of the race, and, and, the, and to get the draft. So I have to time a little bit, uh, and, and especially in, on the middle of the pack, you know, like downforce stuff and everything is, like I said, is a chaos. But like when the car was allowing me to to do different lines and and uh, go to the pack and was solid, so sometimes the guy in front make a mistake or something like that, I was taking the opportunity because I was not pushing enough to save the tires to have a little bit longer. And I knew that it was a very long race, and the most important is to save fuel and tires, you know, and if you end up gain one lap or something like that in the end can be a difference and uh, was just going according to the strategy so was kind of uh, disappointed but uh, in the beginning it was just like I'm mean, going through to the flow going with the flow
1: that uh, when you you know so you get up for it and then unfortunately you drop out um you know with issues and that sort of thing and And then you got to, you know, kind of go to the banquet and and do all that. And and you were kind of in a one-off. So then now that you've got the rest of the season, what what kind of uh, mindset do you get into? I mean, are you, you know, are you then trying to maybe take some of the money you've earned from, you know, where you finish to try to put together a package for uh, some other race? Or, I mean, how does that kind of work?
2: I tried, you know, uh, trying to push some sponsors and stuff back in Brazil back then. Uh, it's been like 15 years already, so it's a long time back. My. But fortunately, it didn't, ha- didn't wh- happen because back then we had, uh, you had a deal with Patrick uh, for the year after, I think. And, uh, but that year, I think, was the year that Chevrolet pulled out in the last moment. They only stayed with Panther. And then uh, got, it uh, got was a surprise for us because it was not, we were notified like pretty much before the season started. I don't remember the date, but it was pretty close to the season start. And then it was like Patrick had to find another two two and a half million to get an engine package with Toyota, you know. So he already had the, the things lined up for this for that year, and uh, he was expecting to have a support Chevy in the engine everything. And then the, fo- the whole thing fell apart, yeah? and you know it was just the, the economy, the situation, and the way things were. And, and unfortunately, I was without a ride for because I had a chance to do another year uh, and uh, a property with him in last year. So uh, that was the situation, but it is what it is.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, auto racing just
2: that happens.
1: I mean, you, you have all these deals, you got everything set, and then all of a sudden one day you get a phone call, and it just Everything you had planned is gone. And yeah,
2: you know. I mean, it was a now, So you know, I think uh, Chevy was uh, not not very interesting that year. Uh, Toyota was very interesting because they were joined, uh, they were entering the U.S. Uh, to sell cars and stuff and everything. Then they ended up moving to also to NASCAR division, and everything. So they were really interesting to, to spend money and and, and going for all the, the series uh, in in. And they're dominating now, kind of, you know, so that's the, the, the hard work they are doing now. Then again, they're collecting what they've done 10, 15 years back, you know. So probably that's why they have the best engine and stuff. But, you know, like I said, you know, it's difficult to predict what's going to happen. You know, it's politics, a lot of things behind. And it is what it is. You cannot blame one person on the situation. Right. They have to think and, and, and make the best option and the best choice. Yeah. So,
1: how did we get into flying helicopters? <laughs>
2: yeah, that was the other thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big difference. Uh, uh, that's a, uh, that was, that was that's another, a big difference. Uh, that was uh, after I came back. You know, like I said, I had another after the two thousand five, two thousand six, which we're talking now. Uh, I had another opportunity for uh, the, the stock cars in Brazil. Here, were doing uh, really well. And they were making some changes here, like, I mean, they had too many teams, some teams running one car, some other teams running three cars, so they were kind of doing a, a rules change, and uh, they only wanted to have, like, 10, 12 teams or something like that, so 15, no, it was 15, 15, 16 teams, so 34 cars, I think. And then um, I had a, an invitation from my sponsor to come here and race for, uh, for them. I'm uh, trying to qualify the team, uh, which I did with, uh, with alongside with Davimo Fato, another driver here, and uh, we qualified uh, a team here in Brazil for the stock car for the season, Eduardo Bassani, and there uh, was also a learning curve, you know, I mean, for first time for me to come from open wheels to stock cars and stuff was different. Uh, we did a good result because, like, sometimes you had like uh, 50 cars on the grid, and uh, some of them did not start because there was a uh, qualifying and only 34, 36 were allowed to start. So it was a fun year, you know, but uh, there was also a small team and we fight with the same thing, you know. Uh, we were half of the pack, and, and but I mean, some tra- some tracks, when things went well, when you had a good card at the beginning of the, seat of the test, you know, of the, the weekend, things w- went well, but I mean, sometimes you have a car that's very unbalanced and, you know, especially for the long runs and then I was going to one way, my teammate was a different way, you know, so have to mm-hmm. compare the data and information, see what's best for the team. And uh, But it was a fun year, I learned a lot. And then the same thing, you know, like uh, I kind of lost my motivation to keep running for small teams and doing these kind of things every year, 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 year in or year out. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to drive for next year, what am I going to do and do something different. So... I said, I would also be fascinated for helicopters and airplanes, you know, so what am I going to do for the next 30 years? And then I have a, a close friend uh, that I met uh, uh, also in the US and he flies for a big uh, group here in, in Brazil. He, he, he's a pilot also. And then when he, he was taking his aircraft for maintenance, I said, oh, I have to go for maintenance in a new in city. You want to come with me? I said, yeah, sure. I'll go with you. So we don't come back uh, by taxi or or, Kaba alone, so I go with you. And then he used to pull, uh, the aircraft had a dual control. He he used to put me on the side, and say, okay, he take off, and like, okay, you fly. I said, I don't know how to fly. (laughs) 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 And I I said, no, no, you're going to learn. So you're going to learn how to fly. No, no. And he was teaching me a little bit, you know, like, I mean, just the, the reaction and the other things, so. That's how I started. And, and also I used to go out with him a lot and some other friends, they were always talking about aviation and everything. And I said, oh, that's interesting, Also you know? So flying a little bit along with him, uh, Junior, this, this friend, and uh, talking to some other friends that used to come uh, in and out for going for dinner and stuff and everything, we got together. And then I said, oh, I'm fascinated by this, and you know. So I ended up going for a, a, a club, a, a school. And I said, oh, I wanna, I wanna learn how to fly helicopters. And then and that was the thing, you know, I did my theory course uh, back then, it was 2009. Then uh, I started to do the, the, the practical uh, test also with this alongside because you have to do kind of parallel because amount of hours, I think it was 40 hours. You can check private pilot. Then uh, you can do a few, you uh, have to get the theory then after you finish the theory, you can fly. Before you fi- you finish the theory, you can fly 15 hours uh, the aircraft. But after you finished uh, the course, you have to do kind of parallel. I did private, parallel, commercial, and became an instructor. Uh, luckily, uh, I got a very good momentum of the economy here in Brazil. Uh, the offshore was very promise for companies here. Uh, back then was 2000 i was uh, i went to a different city to live abroad uh, from my hometown but it was a very rich uh, farm uh, cities like Ribeirão uh, preto rio preto uh, franca and uh, a lot of guys were coming to learn because they were like the boom of the the oil companies and stuff you know so they were trying to do the same thing which i've done it before so i was just lucky to be there and we could fly a lot to teach those guys and accumulate hours because in the beginning you graduate for 150 hours uh, as commercial pilot, but in order recognized by insurance company until we get like fifteen, uh, one thousand, one thousand or five hundred percent like that or fifteen hundred. So I start uh, after I did everything back to back like a private pilot, commercial instructor. That was the only way that I could accumulate hours quickly. So we're flying 80 to 90 hours a month. Uh, I was there for like a year year and a half to accumulate hours, and then uh, after I started, when I got experience, I said enough experience, enough experience for teaching people. And then I started to use my good network contacts, which I have done it from the motor racing uh, world, and start to get to know some big companies and stuff, and flying different aircraft. So. It um, works very well. Uh, was very fun the transitioning. You know, it's just more a lot more count the motivation to have to push to the limit all the time. But it's fascinating as racing. You know, flying uh, gives you uh, very good uh, mind, spirits, and stuff. You know, I realize doing that, and I have a lot of fun doing that.
0: What, what do you th- What do you think was harder to do to learn how to drive a race car or learn how to fly a helicopter?
2: Uh, race cars, definitely, because, you know, uh, for me it was natural, but I mean, to also teach people how to to drive and drive fast, you know, like, I mean, like I said, uh, we grew up racing very sh- good good drivers like Pisonia and other stuff, so uh, for me it was natural, the transitioning from go-karts to, to data and computers and analyzing data and stuff and everything, so it was much easier for me, but Sometimes when you have to explain that to somebody that never seen it before, you know it's very difficult. Like I mean, you have to break 10, 15 meters later, and they have to break harder, so you have to make the graphic to go deeper a little bit now, uh, and then when accelerate, accelerate, you make as small minimum speed, but I mean you can accelerate faster and 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 to press out these kind of um, feelings that we 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 have it we've since kid, you know, like we grew up with guys that never done it before. Like I mean, when you kind of slide a little bit understeering, oversteering, or you're on the edge, you know, like to to get for one tenth or two tenths of a seconds, or thousands of a seconds for the Indy car sometimes, you know, to find the minimum uh, speed and to tell some guy that never done it before, so it's totally different. So and it's just helicopter is, is much more uh, predictable and and Easy to understand you know the beginning is difficult because a lot of uh, control their works together and uh, but as soon as you realize how that works you know the the, the cycle control the main, the main the main rotor and the collective on the side control the power and the torque because as soon as you apply power you have more torque so the, 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 the rotor wants to go faster one way but also the cabin wants to go the opposite way because of the torque. And that's why you have the to control, but I mean, as soon as you understand how those things work together and they interact, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, it depends on uh, students that uh, have never flown before and some of them can start to hover in a helicopter with three hours. Some other people, uh, average, maybe takes ten hours, you know, depends. You have good students, some other students that take a little bit longer to, to assimilate uh, information. To realize how things work, and but everybody can do it. You you did some st- like
0: stunt work in a movie, right? Like you
2: uh, seen- yeah, recently uh, uh, it's been released this year. Was uh, I flown with uh, Kevin La Rosa, He's pretty famous in US. Uh, he's done a lot of movies before. He also did uh, uh, Top Top Gun. That's come, it's coming. It's coming. up. Uh, uh, coming up soon. Um, We've flown uh, Cherry, it's a movie that's on Apple TV right now. Uh, it's based on a, it's a book that uh, a guy that uh, has a romance and then his girlfriend is going to move to Canada for the university. Then he signed himself for the US Army. Then he goes to the Iraq War. <clears throat> he comes back with a lot of trauma and messed up from the war. Uh, then he get addicted to drugs and stuff and he, be- he becomes a bank robber in US. So it's an interesting movie. Uh, we did uh, the Iraq uh, uh, aerial shooting uh, in Saudi Arabia, uh, was uh, was uh, supported by Saudi Arabia tourism and stuff and the Sheikh of the Alula, which is a new region that they are opening for tourism and uh, opening the tourism in Saudi Arabia. And it uh, was a really nice experience for me to learn to do this kind of thing because I uh, was working in dubai they they hired us to to do and Kevin didn't have the license to fly an aircraft that was registered in dubai so he didn't have the time to to do the the licensing thing so I ended up flying along with him so it was really nice to to get it to know these kind of things and which which I've done it before some things in in in, uh, in dubai similar for um um, a season that's called the astronaut also was kind of a TV show that's going out for uh, Dubai TV, and flying along with him for this kind of Hollywood uh, was really interesting because gave me the uh, open doors for Hollywood and gave me IMDb uh, profile to start. So
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> I'm so, sorry. Yeah. What
2: was the, what was the name of that movie? The Iraq the veteran it's called Cherry. It's on uh, Apple TV right now. Uh, also, also yeah. have a lot of players on YouTube because it's really interesting to watch. It's uh, okay. Tom Holland and uh, the Russell brother, the director of the movie. Oh
0: yeah, I yeah. see here.
1: Yeah, that's that's cool getting IMBD. I mean that's I mean, got to start to yeah, 8,500. you got an IMBD.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's getting there, you know. Uh, you know, if you were uh, if you're still hanging out in them bars in
1: Broad Ripple, those would probably come pretty handy. <laughs> <laughs> something, something no something else
0: we learned so we were we were interviewing um jagger jones which is the um, grandson of pernelli jones and he has the verified instagram account and i was joking with him because he's in college and i was like D-, you know does that help with the ladies like you know <laughs> being a race car driver he's like no they don't care what they care the most about is that i have a verified account on instagram
2: <laughs> no, back then maybe but today i'm married <laughs> uh... <laughs> uh, beautiful. he's two and a half years old. So, yeah. No more broad ripple. No more broad ripple. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What's yeah. um, when you were coming up? What kind of uh workout in that did you do? Uh, you know where I mean it. Like you see Tony kanan and I mean Tony's a beast. I mean yeah. he just goes hard. Did did you have a lot of cardio, or did you have anything like that?
2: Uh, I always like to run. Uh, I, I really enjoy to live there in India. I used to live in the north side of uh, the, the town, but uh, I enjoy a lot to, to go to the gym. I used to go a lot to the Speedway also. It was really fun uh, to have the access over there, especially when you're running. And uh, it's an amazing gym, you know, I used to go there. It's very quiet and private house also. So I used enjoy a lot the my time in the Speedway, you know. Uh, I used to work out. I mean, I used to ride bikes and run, lifting weights a little bit—not not a lot—but um, yeah, I was—I mean, not not as hard as Tony, but I used to run a lot also and uh, cycling a little bit and lifting weights. And I always fight with my my size and my weight. You know, I was very high. I was very tall. I have one ninety-three centimeters, six-three. So I always had to fight with my weight. Oh wow! Uh, back then, and uh, yeah, so. I always like to ride and everything, so it was fun. Uh,
1: that was a tall, uh, that was a tall Astro because you were by uh, PJ Jones, right? Didn't you start next to PJ? yeah. Uh, he's
2: like Justin,
1: six. He's like six two or something like that.
2: Yeah, six two. And Lewandowski also is six two, I think. Is he really? Six I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's six one. Um, Justin Wilson, unfortunately, passed away, but he was a very, he, yeah. he was a. I was ninety one ninety five, I think. Uh six four. Um there was some pretty tall guys also. Daddy Manning back then was not so tall, but he was 180, 178 or something, one ninety. So
0: I was trying to we were talk, I was talking about this Was with a couple of buddies a couple of months ago on who the tallest IndyCar car driver was.
1: I think it was John Paul Jr. He was like six foot six, right? Um, Scott? I think so. And Chris Neifel was like 6'4". Oh yeah, that's right. He, he Chris Neifel played uh he actually played in the Bulls organization before uh becoming an IndyCar driver, but yeah, there's been some tall guys, a lot taller than you'd think. So yeah. did you
0: did you notice, Iago, like with the with the um the Delara chassis, the IndyCar chassis, um, for being a little taller, was it harder for you to get in the car? I know with the new chassis now, they've made it a lot more um friendly for taller people.
2: <laughs> I think that uh the, the, the cars got bigger for safety reasons. I think that was a big change that happened back then, in 95, 94, mm-hmm. you know. The Ayrton Senna's death and Greg Moore, which was one of the worst i ever seen. Uh, Marcos Campos, also in Formula 2000.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, the cars, I mean, the cars they have a different concept. They were, they were very uh, narrow to be fast and straight away, and after for safety reason, they end up making the car wider and and, and uh, also they realized they got more downforce so they could brake late, they carry more speed through the corners and accelerate area. And um, that was a big step for us tall drivers, you know, because we got a lot more comfortable between using, I mean, also the concept you used to drive more straight, uh, stand, uh, sit down with the helmet pretty much outside, and now you're locked, laid down with the more inside the car. And also the, now they have the, what the name of the, the bar? Aero screen. The Aero screen, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it's just different because you, you used to have the helmet outside and, and like for one, you used to get a tear off often. But I mean, if the, the glass is dirty, you know, they have to clean on the stop. otherwise you cannot reach. And uh, sometimes you have uh, things coming up from other cars like oil or something and... I don't know how bad it is. The, the, I mean, how if the guys are complaining about the view and they can see a lot or no? Because also the, the sand on the on the track, you know, they kind of they, um, deteriorate a little bit of the the the, the, the glass.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the those tear offs are pretty thick. They're, it's like a three mil or something like that tear off, and. Um, they're pretty tough. You know, when they rip them, you know, it's, it's good, you know, below. So, um, yeah, those those are thick. Um, a company called uh, Racing Optics makes those. Um, and it, it's, um, they actually make stuff for military vehicles, too, like a tear-off. So when you're in the desert, you know, so you don't ruin the glass in the military vehicles with the sand, they, they make them for that, too. But, and, uh, but yeah.
2: Yeah, like I said, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. I think uh, this year because a lot of new guys in the in the in the grid. You know, also uh, a lot of experienced guy like Rossi is a very strong candidate. Canan, Castro uh Dixon, is always very strong. <laughs> uh, Montoya,
1: you know, Montoya once oh.
2: again. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Montoya is back this year. Also, Castro Neves, you know, so uh, we were talking.
1: Yeah, we were talking on our last show about uh, the, all the young guys. You know, Pato, um Palu—they're all quick. Yeah, I mean they're all super fast. You know, Graham Rahal's looked pretty good this year too. Um, you know, and, and Graham's kind of—you know—his teammates won there. You know what I'm saying? So Graham's won the win there. Uh, it's going to be. It, it, this may be one of the best 500s. Uh, yeah. that we've seen in, I mean, from top to bottom, car-wise, yeah. this may be one of the toughest fields in a very, very long time.
0: Yeah. So you still follow um, IndyCar racing pretty
2: closely? Uh, yeah, I mean, much easier now that I'm back in Brazil, used to be difficult right. when I'm back in Dubai because oh. the times the races right, were right. like, yeah. You know, that was seven hours different to Brazil, eight hours to you guys. And uh, but now that I'm back in Brazil, is two three hours different, one hour different. what We have now in the off season. Or, uh, off. Uh, you guys finished the the summertime, right? Right. You guys, uh, Easter time is, is stand the whole year or change during the year? Oh, we, uh, we change. Like, like, yeah. 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 It change, but I think that yeah, it's one hour now it becomes three hours sometimes to Brazil.
0: Back when you but- were. So when you were here in, in Indiana, I, I don't think we, were, we had switched over yet, have we?
1: No, no. We, were, we weren't changing then, and then they voted it in uh, sometime. Uh,
2: India like, was the same time for the whole year, I think. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. so, and then um, I think the change for the East, the change for the West Coast, but Indy, Indy didn't change, so it was, uh, I think only had winter time or summer was winter time or summertime? I think change only once a year or something
1: like that. Well, now we was it fall? Was you fall back in the yeah in, fall in back
0: and spring forward? That's what they spring call spring forward. That's right.
1: So at the end of in <laughs> fall we, we fall back an hour, and in the spring we spring forward an hour.
2: <laughs>
1: One other question. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, you're
0: good. No, I was just going to add when was so when was the last time you were you were in in, in Indiana? <laughs>
2: Long time. I don't remember. It's been. I would say 2006. Oh wow! I think wow. Yeah. Uh, when I was in Dubai, I went to a, 2017. I went to the state again. I took the longest flight of my life, 17 and a half hours, which I thought that I was. Gonna, fell in the middle of the ocean without any fuel. Was Abu Dhabi to San Francisco. And then uh, I was there, then ended up going to San Francisco a few days, ended up going to Vegas to meet some friends from Brazil. They were there. I was there for like three or four days, then I went to Miami uh, I was there in Miami for like a week, Miami to New York. I was there like two nights and then went back to Dubai. So it was my vacation.
0: You hit my all wife, the hot uh, spots. Hit Yeah, all, that, hit all, that, literally that all of them.
2: <laughs> I was so so jet lag, you know, was so mad, so bad for jet lag, you know, because, oh. I mean, after 17 hours and 10 hours different, you know, I didn't know what was lunch, breakfast or dinner, you know, we like, just gave me something. <laughs>
0: I've been on a seven-hour fly, and now I, I can't even imagine 17, seven. Seven-hour was terrible.
2: Oh, man. When you go to the Middle East, it's horrible. Right. Because from the 15, going there is 14. No, it's 15. Coming back is 14. So, it's, it's a man, you get used to different things, and it's far. But
1: I'll let you guys take those trips. I'm not going to be making those. <laughs> One of yeah. the questions One of the questions we like to ask on here On Raced Racers uh, We give The person we're talking to A chance to acknowledge Or speak about someone um, Who helped them along the way in racing And it could be I mean obviously it could be a parent It could be a mechanic It could be the guy that owned the go-kart shop down the street um, Is there anybody that had Like that you can point to and Just you had this massive influence on you
2: uh, there is one guy I think that um, I mean he also he, he drove in Indy but I mean uh, John Martin uh, he was my spotter. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. And, uh, when I got to US my first year was leaving in India. Uh, got along with his son. Uh, his son was a mechanic for uh, Fernandez and then he ended up uh, dying in nine, 2004 on the cruise. I think he was. He was in a wave and he was thrown into the ground and he broke his neck. But John uh, and Linda, his wife, treat me as a kid. You know, I mean, especially in the, in the winter time in India when it was really bad uh, the winter. They used to take me to California and that's where I learned I most learned of my English. You know, was hanging out with John and Linda and his family and little John, his son that passed away, and going out with him in California. So. Uh when the winter was really bad in Indy, they used to take me there and I could stay here, you know. So I was there for like a month with them hanging out and that's why I pretty much because everything so so they treat me as a as a as a son. So very thankful for that and it was very really fun. I still in touch with them sometimes with Linda and uh John passed away recently last year. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yep. yeah and- we knew John a little bit. I didn't know him very well. My dad knew him pretty well. Yeah, he's a good guy. Real good guy.
2: Yeah, so very calm, and they also yeah, uh, treat me as a, as, a, as a son. So I'm very thankful for them from everything they did in the beginning when I, I, I start racing and had my new life in US. So really thankful for that.
1: Uh, that's great. So yeah. one. So no, well, sorry. Ahead. No, go I was going to
0: say so one so one other question that I, I like to ask people that ran Indy. Um, and obviously, you know, you, um, got out of the race early, um, because of electrical issues or whatever, but you know, the, I, I guess the bigger picture is look at, you know, there's only seven around 750 people who have raced in the 500. So, I mean, that's a pretty elite club and something definitely be proud of. Um, but what, so, and this is a very like open question, but what did running Indy really mean to you? When you think the, the name Indy, well, what does it mean?
2: It's very special, you know, like I said, I know that my name is on the museum, it's going to be there forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the friendship, the friends that I have, you know, I uh, live in India. I used to be a very close friend with Tony Jr. Uh, eventually, he's going to take the series, you know, so. It's <laughs> always a uh, very uh, pleasure for the, the unique uh, experience that I had. Every year, the same in the invitation. Now, during the pandemic, I don't know how it's going to be, but we're not allowed to travel as the borders right now and stuff, but I really, it's a place that I want to go back, you know, as, as, a, as a spectator, you know, to, to go back, to be on those parades and sign the autographs and see the people, you know, the spirits again. Uh, the series always invite me every year, you know, uh, but uh, it's a special place, very unique, like I said. It's a place that I want to go back and maybe show with my daughter, you know, to show her yeah, what i right. mean. been also, it's uh, definitely very special to come back, catch up with friends and everything, and see you guys. So be fin- like, it's a very unique feeling, you know. It's, you cannot put in words and describe what has been, but uh, it's a very unique, special place.
0: Yeah, I live. Um, well, me and Scott both live pretty close to the Speedway. I can see the Pagoda from my front yard, so I'm I'm very close.
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, like I said, you know. The, the spirit, and especially now in May, is different. You know, it's India in change, the city change during the, the month of May, and mm-hmm. uh, and also in, in in August for the NASCAR, but it's a different spirit. You know, but uh, but it's just to ha- to have that feeling, you know, the, the the experience when you go out and you see things, you know, it, it's very unique. Like I said, you know, uh, it's like I like said it's very special to be there I know like I said my name is gonna be in the museum forever uh, the history that I've done you know and very proud of that yeah so did they you
0: could, ever did they you ever could take
1: her you can take her to the uh, museum go upstairs to the Photoshop, pull up some photos and say look this is what dad did <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> I have a lot of gray hairs already, so cannot cannot recognize. Yeah.
1: Me. <laughs> and you can show her what great head of hair you used to have too.
0: <laughs> Did they ever? Yeah. Um, so they have a car. We were t- joking with Marco Greco about this. So there was this car. It's like the Marmon Wasp replica. It was called like the Stinger World Window World car. And they had like every single starter of the Indy 500. They had their names on the car, and they had yeah. each person sign it. Did they ever contact you about that?
2: Yeah, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been there yet to sign it. I, I still, I still missing mine, but uh, yeah, I have to go there sometime. The museum. Maybe. And sign maybe it.
0: Um, right. Well, you, and Marco, well, maybe you, and Marco, can go there together and sign
2: yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this. When they tried to, I mean, I was working in Dubai. They tried to, to reach me to get uh, to get there to sign it, but I mean, like I said, even in this trip that I did, I notified them that I was going, but I mean, I just didn't have the time to stop by. Because uh, sure. I was in vacation, you know, and and, and, and was and in the company, also, we were like six pilots, you know, so it was not easy. I mean, you had pretty much uh, everybody putting their leaves at the beginning of the year, and you know, also, I never had a chance to get my leave doing the 500 to go there, which I, I wanted to, but I didn't have the opportunity to, to get on that period to go there. So, yeah. also, the different time changing stuff, so I meant to go to the US to get 16 hours' flight, you know, so. And then going somewhere close, like in Italy or somewhere close to Dubai, which was like four hours, six hours, and then. Uh, but I always wanted to go back and sign this card because, I mean, when they released this card, they were in touch with me. I think we exchanged like three hundred emails, you know, like coming back or this year, or next year, or something like that, and end up not happening. But I mean, I still want to go back and sign this card, and it's, it's, it's part of the history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, it definitely um, would
0: be definitely would be great to have you back, and I'm yeah. sure a lot of people
2: uh, love to see. Car you. right, Totally yellow car, I think.
0: Yep, and it's just like the it's like a it's painted up like the Marmon Wasp, the 1911 car, the one.
2: It was on the 100 years, I think. Yeah. Yep,
0: so they probably yeah. did
2: it 2011,
0: then yeah. probably is when they did it.
2: Yeah, I think it was 100 years of the 500, so. Yeah. Well,
1: th- well, this is 105 coming up, so we can, whatever the math is from that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was 100 years, so it's five years away. It has been uh, yeah. taking so. Yeah,
0: because 100 years was 2011, and the 100th race was when Rossi won in 2016.
1: Right. Yeah. I just want to say thanks for, for doing this. You know, the uh, month of May is starting to be in full swing, and, and we're really trying to get the stories of. Uh, you know any driver that's run there you know we want to we want to be able to hear your story and we want to be able to share that with with people uh because like no one would have ever guessed that john martin would have been yeah a person that you would have said had such a big influence on you and he was a good man you know and, yeah I mean, you
2: know i said when I went there, like I uh, barely knew English, so you know, it was a big advantage to be involved with him and his family, Linda uh, and little John. Little John treat me as a brother, you know. John treat me as a as a as a son. So um, I was very thankful, you know. Especially like my first uh, winter time in India was difficult, was hard, you know. Like coming from somebody to Brazil to, go to right. winter in India, you know. Uh, and, and, I, and I want to go back to us I mean I have to do some stuff there. I was just waiting for um, I have to get a different uh, type rate on my license so I can go I have to go to us to do my uh, validation of the FAA license and conversion and but I want to get as, as more type rate different uh, type rates on my license because when they do the conversion they conversion they convert everything that I have so I'm expecting to have more type rates, and I have to go back uh, to do this, this conversion. And uh, I'll try to make a plan to put it together to do this conversion at the same time, I stopped buying Indy to sign the car. So stay there for a few days and catch up with you guys. So it would be a, a dream come true, especially if it's the month of May to be able to watch another 500 to be very special.
0: And I'm sure it's a lot different for drivers who, you know, who race in the race and then they, they, they come back. You know, years later, I'm sure it's a whole obviously, I, me or Scott wouldn't know that feeling, but, um, I'm sure that would be a whole different experience, you know, kind of going back and kind of seeing it and just, you know, especially bringing your family. Um, and so did, so did you meet your wife? And so did your wife ever get to experience a no, 500?
2: Uh, she was there. Yeah, she was there with me. I think we started dating oh. 2001. I was, wow, yeah, 2001. Then 2003, she was she was there also with me in the first Indy Lights race, and she went to a few races with me, and uh, in the in the 500 also she was there. Uh, my parents also were there, so uh, yeah, I mean they were present. I mean not every race, but when they were possible, they were they were trying to catch up with me, like I mean, you can like Chicago, San San Fran- when they had the date available and the, they were a nice race to go, they they wanted to come. You know, so um, it was interesting to go with them. Like uh, my father was, we did a nice drive once to Nashville, and then he used to go for to check uh, Elvis' place. So we ended up doing a drive there once. So those things, you know, they were with your your parents. It's priceless. You know, we can never describe. So
1: yeah i agree
2: absolutely it was a long absolutely. drive from India, but it was fun to to go there and just to see how it was like uh elvis city and stuff with my dad you know so something that i cannot can never forget right. and uh, yeah looking forward to go back and uh, watch after this pandemic you know things start to free up like uh, being vaccinating this in january back in dubai mm-hmm. Things start to get better, you know, uh, everybody's take the vaccine, uh, the borders start to open, you know, I think it's important for other countries to have to, tourism, you know, and, and the 500 is not even close to, to what, what it was, you know, from year previous years, you know, and to have the, the race sometimes without the public, it's, it doesn't have the same meaning, so... Uh, even though it has the broadcast, but doesn't have the same meaning to have the people over there and and in the, and the and sometimes to, to tell people how fast the cars are in person. It's unbelievable, you know. You can only experience at the track. You know, when you're at the stands or at the, the pit lane, you know, see the cars going by. It's unbelievable the speed that they're putting at.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It you can't. It is. Uh indescribable you you have to see it to understand it
2: yeah one other uh thing that i remember that was very unique experience was my first time watching the drag race top view on all oh. the, the all man it was a lifetime experience you know i mean i remember that i couldn't breathe you know the the, the ground was shaking and, and yep so this kind of thing that I, I lived, you know, even the, it's been many years, you know, I still remember the, the feeling because you could not breathe because the methane uh, fuel mm-hmm. and uh, the, the ground was shaking. You know, only only people that have been there, you know, seen it, know what I'm talking to, but who have never been there, uh, cannot describe how amazing it is to to see top fuel started from like 10, 50 meters away. It's unbelievable.
1: Hey Aaron, how far how far do you think I live away from Raceway Park?
0: Um, maybe eight six, miles, ten miles.
1: Eight, yeah, and there are some days when they're testing, yeah, I can hear it. When they're testing, it, it sounds like it's just right up the street. It's unbelievable. You know, the wind's just right, and it, man, those things it is like you said, indescribable until you see one in person, right?
0: It's really funny though because we have an we have an app um in in our neighborhood called next door neighbor or whatever and people people get on there during may and they say what is all this noise that we're hearing coming from the track
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and they live in speedway so it's, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty humorous at
2: times <laughs> yeah but i mean to see honestly top few starting from in person from that cause, man, I never experienced anything like that, you know, it's, it's such an uh, unbelievable thing, you know, the amount of horsepower and how fast those guys also rebuilt the engine, like 45 minutes, re- rebuilt the whole engine, you know, yeah, right. so and uh, it's unbelievable to watch these kind of things, and like I said, it's definitely some experience that wants to go back and, 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 uh, and do it again because it's worth it, you know. <laughs>
0: Well, um Tiago, thank you so much again. Really do appreciate it.
2: I appreciate you guys, you know, it's really fun to talk to you and uh, anything guys, let me know if you guys need anything. It's a pleasure. You know, it was always uh, very uh, interesting to talk about about a subject that you're very passionate, you know. right. Oh, wow. So, it's fun to, to also to be able to be here with you guys telling my side of the story and, and what happened. You know, after many years and it's fun, you know, just to exchange information, it's over, you know, I'm doing different things right now, but uh, like I said, you cannot blame, you know, for the situation or the politics or what, you has to face it and make the best uh, decision and best option.
1: Let me ask you this. Do you ever dream about racing?
2: Not to right. say that uh, it's you can't forget is is a is a, a page turn. It's it's a lie, you know. Like I mean, definitely yeah. I miss the the good cars and and the, the good teams and the good people that I met. Uh, some races, like you said, you know, sometimes you have a car that's is a never ended race, you know, that it wants to end it. But I mean, to tell that it's just just a page turn. It's it's, it's a lie, you know. So right. really miss the good the, the good cars and. Uh, and uh, the good races, you know, so in all series, you know, you cannot say only right. one or two, like I said, you know, I wish, I, I mean, uh, for IndyCars, I would say that was more fun, the tests maybe, than the races, but uh, it's a very unique um, thing, you know, very um, great achievements that I that I did, and, and I can have, I can never forget that, you know, like, uh, it is what it is.
1: I've talked to some drivers who, you know, are- retired you know not racing more and a few of them will tell you tell me you know yeah i, I still at night i'll i'll have a dream about racing uh about driving still you know it, it's you know it's just like everything else right you know it's just something it's in your memory and it gets pulled up and somehow you're dreaming about it but
2: yeah when i was younger i think uh, i used to do a lot more things you know, even though traveling here by myself or stuff you know like i'm going to the roads Nowadays, you know, it's radar everywhere or something like that. So speeding, you know, it's complicated. But um, I mean, going back like 10 years, you know, didn't have as many radars anywhere or speed tickets or something like that. So it was, it was a lot more fun. But I mean, it's, uh, it's just, for us, it was natural thing. You know, like sometimes uh, for us uh, drivers driving faster, you know, sometimes uh, it's just natural for us. But for other people, it's very really annoying, you know, like, I mean, they're not used to have the G forces or stuff, and, you know, when you especially when you're going for a mountain road and everything. So sometimes it was fun to do this kind of stuff, but it's it's not proper because not on, on the on the proper um, right. side of the track, you know, but, you know, we have to be examples and stuff and, and see what we are and what we achieved, you know, and, and, and life is a... Um, very delicate, you know. We see that you know some accident happens, you know, for nothing, no reason. You know, sometimes you just think, oh, I'm doing on the wrong place." So I always keep that in mind. And, and uh, the problem is not is not us, but someone else, you know, or unexpected uh, things. Maybe it's a, it's a horse crossing the road, a deer, or something like that. So right. you never know.
1: Yeah, uh, Marco was telling us that he uh, he had a cousin he looked up to and he admired and uh he was a great motorcycle racer and that sort of thing and uh but he liked to you know showboat on the streets as well and he said that he got killed in the streets you know basically showboating you know playing around and he marco that left a huge impact on him like yeah that that's no that's not good you know and and uh, that that had a a uh, large impact on his life.
2: Yeah, I think also the also the what changed a lot of my mind is the aviation, you know, the industry and everything. So it's always uh, the safety is the priority, you know. Like sure. uh, you know, if you're doing something that are not comfortable, just say that you're not going to do it, and the aircraft not capable of, you know. So I think uh, set my mind for a much more mature thing, you know. Like I mean, if you're going for somewhere that the weather is not okay or the aircraft doesn't have enough. Instrument or something like that. You don't know how the meteorology. can be a good weather or bad weather or situation that you are uncomfortable. Just don't do it. You know, just say, right. oh, it's not it's not it's not uh, it's not right. So it's better. It's my decision. You know, you're the pilot in command. Uh, sometimes it's not good to say no, but it's for the safety, and you have to to do this kind of thing. So I think I changed a lot. Uh, just study, you know, accidents and stuff and everything because in the beginning you see a lot of these kind of things every year. You have to go to a refreshment to see uh, some accidents and what happened. And, and sometimes it's a silly mistake, you know, but it, it causes lives, you know. So I think uh, usually when you do these courses and stuff, the first day is not good because you're going to see a lot of these kind of accidents and stuff. But you, you learn from the accidents. And unfortunately, it is what it is, you know. So. They're doing that on a purpose so people can learn from other people's mistake and don't make the same mistake again. Right. <clears throat>
0: mm-hmm. Well, um, again, Thiago, thank you so much. Um, we'll definitely stay in contact and hopefully, um, you know, you can make it back to Indy sometime in the near future
2: definitely i will uh, thank you aaron thank you scott for having me and uh any, anytime you guys need anything let me know it'd be a pleasure to be here again talk to you guys and uh hopefully you can come back uh, things are improving quickly with the pandemic and can come back and uh get together sometime yeah absolutely it'd be my pleasure to meet you and, and get to talk to you for a little bit appreciate it appreciate it thank you very much you guys yep. Take care. thank yeah, you. thank you bye bye bye